1: Hello, Welcome to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal. I'm Laura Cheadle, and today we're going to talk about obsessive thoughts. We're going to talk specifically about overcoming obsessive thoughts after infidelity or betrayal. We're going to break it down in terms of what are obsessive thoughts. What's the difference between processing information and thinking it through and feeling our emotions fully and obsessing, because that really is a fine line. You know, on the one hand, we're told you've got to feel your emotions, you've got to think it through, you can't can't take a spiritual bypass, you've got to feel everything. And then on the other hand, well, you can't be obsessing over everything and you can't be ruminating over the same thing. So figuring out the difference is one of the really important things we're going to talk about today. We're also going to talk about what to do when you find yourself obsessing, like when you can't stop picturing your partner with the other woman or the other man, when you can't stop thinking about things that they said or things that they did or, or things that you should have done or wished you hadn't have done. We're just going to cover that whole gamut of how to stop those intrusive thoughts, how to stop overthinking, and then how to manage those triggers because really an obsessive thought is just a trigger. It's another traumatic (laughs) trigger that happens after an affair, after infidelity. And what it does is it causes your system to be flooded, Flooding is a term you may may or may not have heard, but it's when literally your system is flooded. Your nervous system cannot take anymore when you've had so much shock or grief or, you know, trauma or overwhelm that literally your system is like, I can't take it anymore, and it floods. And that's when we go into a lot of those unhealthy behaviors, whether it's freezing, you know, fight, flight, or freeze, where we freeze and we just shut down. And that's the place where we can't get off the floor, where we can't get out of bed, where even though we've got a job to go to, or we've got kids to take care of, or meals to cook, we can't do it. And I want to say that's okay. If you're in that place and you can't do something, I want to acknowledge that You're right. You can't. Your system is flooded and it's not your fault. It's just flooded and you can't do it. And that's okay because we are biological human beings and our systems can only take so much before they shut down. Other things that happen when we flood, when our systems get flooded, are we go into that fight response? We get angry, we start moving, we start cleaning things out, we start frantically running around, we start doing things. And even though that might feel productive, it's really not. And here's why. Here's why it's really important to be mindful of what's going on. Sometimes we're when we're in that fight state where we're just like, I, I've got to do something. I've got to be angry. I've got to fight against something. We end up doing things that we regret. I mean, it can be something big like filing for divorce out of anger when that's not really what you want to do right now. I'm not saying that you shouldn't or that you can't, but when you do something out of anger, it could be exposing you know you're the affair partner or your partner in a way that you might wish that you hadn't have done a little story when i found out i i have a series of d days but i would go between that fight that flight and that freeze response when my system would flood and when i was in that fight state i wanted to damage My husband, as much as possible. And one of the things that I did was call and report. uh, One of his affair partners was at a business, and I called and reported that. I also called his work at one point in time because I was in anger. And it's one of those things that I wouldn't have done it if I was in a more thinking state. Calling his work and reporting some of his stuff calling this company and reporting that you know two people who had were working together were also having an affair together, these were things that I might not have done in the way that I did them at the time because I was in such a state of fight and I had to move and that adrenaline was just carousing through my body. So that's why it's important, even though you think you're being productive. oh, I also went and saw an attorney right that afternoon. It was like, Call call the business, call the company, call the attorney. I was in this state of do, 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 doing. And I also had this like urge to start cleaning his stuff out and throwing his stuff out to get it out of my house. It's not healthy. It, it's a way to deal with it, but it's a flooding of your system. In the same way that there were many days where I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't get off the floor. I couldn't function. That was also a flooding of my system. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Overcoming obsessive thoughts after infidelity. What are they? What causes them? What does it do to your system? Why does it flood your system? How can you be mindful of that and aware? Then how can you start managing and using the tools appropriately to stop these obsessive thoughts so you can start feeling better, so you can start managing that anxiety, and so you can start moving forward. Because that's the big thing, really. Everybody asks, does the pain of an affair ever go away? And in a lot of ways, (laughs) yes and no. The pain, the acute pain, yes, that will go away. Will the memories ever go away? No, no, they absolutely won't go away. So that's kind of the trick. When you have these memories for the rest of your life, how do you deal with them? How can you go through and remember these things? Because this story is now a part of your life and not be triggered every single time, not be in pain. Every single time. That's what matters. That's the secret. That's what we're here to deal with and what we're here to talk about is how to manage that. Because unfortunately, these memories are a part of who you are forevermore. And you can manage them. You can learn how to deal with them and you can integrate them wholly and healthily into your life. No matter what's going on, it doesn't matter if you are still with the person that you cheated that cheated on you or if you separate. You can manage all of that. Okay, so let's let's start from the beginning here. What are obsessive thoughts? Well, Obsessive thoughts are just that. It's that loop that keeps happening in your brain that you keep going back to that you can't move on from. For example, you might be, I mentioned this earlier, you might constantly be picturing your husband or wife with the affair partner, and you just can't get that image out of your head. Whether you've actually seen a photo or saw something in real life, or it's just the mental image. It's something that just keeps coming up. And it keeps coming up at inconvenient times. Like it might come up when you're trying to have lunch with a friend or relax to go to sleep at night. Nighttime is a really big time for obsessive thoughts. When you start quieting your mind, all of a sudden those thoughts keep popping up. And then you're like, oh my gosh, I keep replaying this conversation. I keep replaying this moment. If I only would have asked, if I only would have pushed. One of the ways that I found out was one of the affair partners sent a picture of my husband to me in the mail. So quite often when I relax, I get that image. I get that image in my mind and I hate it. And because I know where that image was taken, whenever I'm near that location, that image comes back in my mind. And then the whole memory of receiving the letter and what I said and how I didn't understand it. And I have probably replayed that moment 10,000 times in my mind. And it's different when you go back to think about something and you think, I want to think about this. That's processing something. That's thinking about it. But an obsessive thought is when you're doing something else. You know, like maybe you drive by that location or you see a certain color, and bam, all of a sudden that memory is there and you can't shake it. That's what an obsessive thought is it's something that literally intrudes upon your daily life, it's something that pops into your mind without your conscious control and kind of hijacks the rest of your day. It, it's not as simple as like, oh yeah, I remember I, tonight's trash night and I have to take out the trash. Bam, that, that's a little intrusive thought that intrudes. And then you go, oh yeah, I can do that. And then you let it go. That's different than an obsessive thought. An obsessive thought is literally something that you cannot, you cannot take your mind back you're still stuck, you are so stuck in that loop that you just can't move on. So that's what an obsessive thought is. And they're very common. They're very common after infidelity or any kind of betrayal because it's such a shock. Now, the mind. As a hypnotherapist, I know a lot about the mind both the conscious portion of the mind and the subconscious portion of the mind. And our minds want to make meaning. We as humans want to make meaning out of things, out of our environment, out of situations. That is a primary fundamental drive. We are meaning-making machines. We do not just take things at face value and move on. We always try to make meaning of the stuff that is going on around us. So when something like infidelity or betrayal happens, we're shocked. We go, oh, I didn't know that was happening or how could that happen to me? We were betrayed. Our expectations were shattered. And it was a huge shock. Our worldview, literally, in a matter of minutes or seconds, is fundamentally changed. And everything that we knew to be true, we suddenly learn is not true. And that is jarring. I had mentioned our nervous systems before. It's jarring to our nervous systems, but it's also jarring to our brains, both our subconscious and our conscious brains, because we're trying to make meaning with things we go throughout the day making meaning so all of a sudden something happens and everything is totally different and our brain says i i, I don't get this i don't understand how can this be happening and instantly loops open up in our brain loops are our, our brain likes to close loops so it can file and store the information and move on what i mean by that is We seek resolution. We seek resolution. Our brains are meaning, uh, we are meaning-making machines, and our brains seek resolution. So when you're reading a book, what keeps you going? (laughs) Wanting to know the ending. Why do you think the end of every single chapter in a book is kind of a cliffhanger? Because the author wants you to come back, because the author is opening up loops in your brain, so you will come back. That's how we function. Same thing with movies or with TV shows. If every single week the TV show ended with everything resolved, you would never come back. That's why the end of season one is always a big cliffhanger. The end of season two is always a big cliffhanger. We need to close loops. We are biologically driven to close loops in our brain and to seek resolution. We are biologically wired and driven to seek resolution. Even within music, we need that resolution. The whole like, dun, 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 dun. If you go, dun, 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 your brain will kick in and go, dun, 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 dun. That leaves you on that high, dun. You need to close that loop and move on. So that's how we're wired. We are wired to close loops in our brain. So when we learn about an infidelity, when we find out about a betrayal, hundreds, thousands, maybe even millions of loops suddenly open up in our brain, and we are biologically driven to seek resolution. So having obsessive thoughts not only is normal, it's almost required Because as humans, we can't function. We cannot function without resolution. So when you learn about this betrayal, when you learn about infidelity, and all these loops open up in your brain, your entire being, your entire body, mind, spirit, all of your energy is going to go towards creating resolution and closing loops. And until you find that resolution and close those loops, you will not have peace. I'm going to say that again. Until you find resolution and close some of those loops, all of those loops, you will not have peace. And that is the number one reason. Why so many people fail to heal from an affair, fail to heal after infidelity, because they don't understand this. They don't understand that they're biologically driven to close loops in their brain. They don't understand that they really need a resolution. It's not just a nice little, ooh, it would feel really great to have a resolution. No, no, no. It's deeper than that. You must have a resolution. So, when you have obsessive thoughts, oftentimes it is your body, your mind, your spirit seeking resolution. And it's kind of telling, signaling you, hey, remember this? You got to resolve this. Hey, what about this? You've got to resolve that. So, when you think about it in terms of, no, there is nothing wrong with me, I am not broken. Having obsessive thoughts does not make me broken. I am not broken. I am normal. I am a meaning-making machine. And I am biologically wired and programmed to close loops to create resolution and move on. Then it makes the obsessive thoughts feel better. Because it's just like things for you to do. Oh, yeah, I'm having this obsessive thought again. Clearly, I need to close this loop. What is it about this thought that is not resolved? What is it about this obsessive thought that I need to resolve? (sighs) Breathe onto that one. Calm yourself down a little bit right now. Take your hands and go shake, 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 shake Shake out some of that energy. Roll your shoulders. Kick your feet. Raise up and down on your toes if you're standing. Move some of this energy through your body right now, because I want to calm your nervous system down a little bit in order for you to be a little more receptive and to be able to process one of those obsessive thoughts right here, right now. So move, deep breath, and let's talk about one of those open loops or unanswered questions. Okay, when you think about an obsessive thought, you can think about one right now, one that keeps happening, or you can just kind of do this a little bit more in theory. But what I want you to do is to challenge yourself by asking a couple of questions. Ask yourself first, is this helpful right now? Right now, whether you're at work or at home, is this helpful to me right now? Do I need to spend this brain space and this brain energy right now solving this problem? Now, usually the answer is no. Usually the answer is no. Then that begs the question, why is this coming up right now? Right now, why am I having this obsessive thought? Sometimes it's to distract yourself. Sometimes it's distracting yourself from something that you don't want to do, from something that you don't want to feel. Sometimes it's coming up because the emotion is similar that you are experiencing right now to the emotion of the obsessive thought or the memory that's coming up. And you can draw some parallels. Like, wow, right now I'm feeling a little unsure of myself. Right now, I don't really feel worthy. So my brain is scanning for similar situations when I was unsure of myself. When I didn't really feel worthy. And bam, it popped up this memory. What do I need to do right now to close this loop, to get information and to heal? What do I need to do right now to become more sure of myself? What do I need to do right now to feel more worthy? And then those are the real questions that you can answer. What do I need to do right now to feel more sure of myself? What do I need to do right now to feel worthy? That's how you close the loop, by getting at the root of the problem. The obsessive thought is there because it's trying to signal to you that there's something underneath that needs resolving. Maybe it's about self-trust. Ask yourself what's going on right now. Ask yourself what's going on in this memory. It helps to kind of do it as a third-party neutral observer to like look down and hover on that memory. Okay, here's that obsessive thought. Here's that memory. Gosh, it keeps coming up. I'm going to look at it and then going to observe it. What's the energy underneath that? Then look what's going on in your life right now, again, as a neutral third-party observer. What's going on in this memory? Huh. Is the underlying cause? Is the underlying feeling? Is the underlying what's really going on similar? Now, once you do that, once you figure out, you hone in on that root cause you can relax a little bit because now you have something concrete that you know that you need to figure out. And even though sometimes it's really difficult to figure something out, or it takes a lot of time to figure something out, knowing what you need to resolve is truly half the battle. Knowing that you need to work on your self-worth or that you need to work on you know, whatever it is, standing in your power or that you need to work on advocating for yourself or getting curious about something, whatever it is, once you know it, then that thought, that memory does not have to keep popping up to remind you, hey, Laura, work on this. Hey, Laura, work on that. Now, what I want to caution you against is trying to do Too much all at the same time. Be gentle and loving with yourself because you have been through a lot. But just try to approach your obsessive thoughts from a place of curiosity. Why are you here? And what are you trying to teach me? Because once you can start identifying that, then you can start closing the loops and moving on. Okay, now the other reason obsessive thoughts come up, first and foremost, they're there because it's trying to close a loop and to teach you something. But the other reason we have obsessive thoughts is simply habit. We have been conditioned To think that thought. We have allowed that thought to have free reign over our minds, our hearts, our lives. And we've simply gotten a bad habit. Like I said earlier, as a hypnotherapist, I know a lot about the mind. And subconsciously, it is so easy to create habits and patterns. And it's also, just like with closing those loops, vitally important to become aware of those habits. Because once we're aware, oh yeah, this is just a bad habit. This is something that is not making me feel good. This is something I'm tired of and I need to change. Once we start moving that habit, that bad habit from the subconscious portion of the brain to the conscious portion of the brain, that's when we can create change. So when you're having an obsessive thought, how do you feel? Do you obsessively have this thought and it moves you into a state of joy and expansiveness and power? Or do you have these obsessive thoughts and it spirals you down into, what's wrong with me? How could he have done this? What were they thinking? I'm so mad. I'm going to get even. What does that thought do to you? Most people don't take the time to step back and to think about what that thought is making you feel. Step back. How does that thought make you feel? Why would you want to feel bad or angry or bitter? You wouldn't. You want to feel good. We do. We are driven by things that make us feel good. And when we allow a thought to permeate our being, we do it for one of two reasons. And the first reason is because it's there to teach us something. And we're trying to figure out that lesson so we can close that loop and move on. And then the other reason is that it's just a bad habit. We have just allowed ourselves to fall into a bad habit. Now, bad habits are actually pretty easy to correct. If you know how. And that's what I'm gonna teach you right now. First, be aware. Ask yourself, how is this thought, how is this obsessive thought right now making me feel? It's making me feel anxious. It's making me feel bitter. It's making me feel resentful. It's making me agitated. It's making my body tense. It's making my stomach nauseous. Identify all those things. Breathe into them. Don't fight. Breathe into it. Yeah. I feel the nausea. I feel, oh the tension at the back of my neck. <sighs> yes, I feel this agitation. Bounce your shoulders, shake your hands. And now, what is the thought that could create some of the opposite of what I'm feeling now? What is the thought that I could think that's going to bring me calm? that's going to bring me peace, that's going to make my body feel relaxed. For me, a thought that brings those emotions, and it's different every single time. So I'm not saying like my thought is the only thought. Literally for me, for Laura in this moment, a thought that will bring peace and that will bring calm that will bring a relaxed body is thinking about the conclusion of some of my work. Thinking about being successful. Thinking about finishing writing a talk that I'm working on. Thinking about responding to a couple of emails and being done with that. Thinking about me at the end of my workday why I've successfully completed everything brings me the feeling of peace and calm and relaxation in my body and in my mind. Notice that it has nothing to do with the affair, with the fact that I was cheated on. It's just a a thought that I can think that will bring emotions and physical sensations in my body that I want to feel. So identifying that, now I can choose to think about how I'm going to feel at the end of my workday today. I'm not saying ignore this other stuff that's coming up because it might be there to teach me a lesson. But what I'm saying is I have control over my own thoughts. I have control over the way that I feel and the way that my day is going to go. So I have created a thought that brings me a good feeling, and I know that I can choose to think about that. So that's what I'm doing. I'm thinking about shutting my laptop. I'm thinking about standing up from my desk. I'm thinking about turning my lights off, walking into the kitchen, getting some dinner, sitting down on the couch. I'm thinking about the book that I'm reading. I'm reading a book about pre-life planning in the soul. I'm thinking about opening that and what it will feel like to sit down on the couch and to read it. That's all I'm doing. That was it. That's as simple as, as, it, as, as it is. I'm thinking about that. Now I'm feeling some of those sensations kind of come over my body. Now I am free. I am free from the obsessive thought because I have chosen and I have actively leaned into a new thought. So now I can go ab- about my day. Now I can do laundry. I can do work. I can talk to people on the phone. I can create new radio programs. I can do all of that stuff because I am reconditioning my brain to think about something that's positive. It's not a spiritual bypass. It's not not processing something. It is saying right now I am in control of myself and my life and my experience. And right now it's in the middle of a work day. And right now is my time to do this. So I've created a wholly new thought and my wholly new thought can be different every single day. It can be different every time a a different obsessive thought comes up, but I've created that new thought to think and I'm actively and consciously thinking it. Now, tonight, when I lay down to go to bed, when it's silent, when it's quiet, I might choose, and I might not, but I might choose to go back to that obsessive thought and ask it, Why were you there? Why did you pop into my mind? What was similar about the way I was thinking and feeling then? Versus now, are you here to teach me something? And in that quiet space, I will listen. What are you here to show me? What are you here to teach me? What do I need to know? And then in that quiet space, that's when I can move into a little bit more of the processing. that's when I can put that thought to bed. So that's the balance of how you manage obsessive thoughts. You create a new thought in your mind, can be wholly unrelated to the obsessive thought, that makes you feel the way that you want to feel in the moment. And you consciously choose to think it. You play that movie in your head. You play that movie in your mind. Now, the movie that I consciously played in my mind was just me at the end of the workday. And I want you to notice that because it wasn't, you know, laying on a beach and frolicking in the ocean, and it wasn't being peaceful on a mountaintop, and it wasn't all of those things that we normally think of when we're trying to go to our happy place. Because oftentimes that's too big of a stretch. And then oftentimes that can take us off more because we're in this place of obsession and pain and how could this happen and why didn't I know and why wasn't I worth it and how could he do this to me? And we're in this huge, horrible state of pain and to all of a sudden be like, and now I'm in my happy place. I'm on top of the mountain and I'm singing and I'm twirling. That's too big of a leap. We can't get there. You can't get there. We're not supposed to get there. That is way too big of a leap. Go to somewhere that's very realistic for you right now. Literally where you are at. If you're in your house, if you're at work, if you're in your car, what right now would make you feel better? I am in my office. So what would make me feel better is going home at the end of the day. If you're at home... What might make you feel better is going out and taking a walk. What makes you feel better is maybe reading a book or baking something or cleaning out a drawer. I don't know what it is, but it's just something small that will bring you whatever it is that you want to feel. That next best emotion. I'm not saying What's going to make you feel enlightened and joy filled and frolicking? What's just going to calm you down? Sometimes cleaning out a drawer brings me a sense of completion and power because it's a task that I know that I can finish and it's a task that I know that I can manage. So then I feel in control of myself. So sometimes the antidote. these feelings is something so much simpler and more grounded than we think it is. And I want to invite you into that, invite you into the simplicity. Sometimes putting on makeup or styling my hair, just curling it, doing something new, putting on jewelry. Sometimes it can be something that simple that will just make you feel better. Putting on a new outfit. Putting on heels sometimes can do it. Putting on a structured outfit. I cannot underscore the importance of a structured outfit sometimes. Something with a waistband. (laughs) Something with buttons. That makes you shift your posture. That makes you stand up tall. It just makes you feel a little bit more in control. And that's all it takes. Then later on, you can start doing the work and closing a loop and putting it to bed. Another overall strategy that I want to talk about, because it's really important to know when it comes to obsessive thoughts, is gratitude. And again, when I talk about gratitude, I don't want to make it such a big jump that like, I'm grateful I made half a million dollars and found new love and have, it's nothing like that. It's very simple things that you're grateful for. And another way to stop those obsessive thoughts is literally to pull out a piece of paper and to write in cursive 10 things that you're grateful for. Now, why did I say pull out paper and write in cursive? It's tactile. It's physical. Getting your body to look for paper, getting your eyes to find that paper, looking at the pen, feeling that pen or pencil in your hand, and then writing in cursive. Writing in cursive is a subconscious behavior that targets the subconscious portion of the mind. And when you do all of those physical things and then write down, hear the pen scratching on the paper, see the words forming underneath you, and focus your mind on 10 things that you're thankful for, that you're grateful for, it will rewire the subconscious portion of your mind. It will help you break out of the habit of obsessing. And it will put you in a logical, linear state of mind so you can start closing those loops, so you can start resolving those unresolved issues, those thousands of unresolved things, those thousands of open loops that the infidelity and betrayal created. So right now, if you are able, grab a pen, Grab some paper and just number one to 10. And together, let's write down 10 things that we're thankful for, that we're grateful for. And the reason that I want to do that together is so you can feel that power, so you can feel that shift in your mind and in your body, that tactile feeling of writing things down. And I don't want you to think too hard. And as we do what I'm just gonna talk about mine, as they come to mind, again, not right or wrong, just like my thought. So you can see how sometimes it's the mundane thoughts, it's the normal average thoughts, are so much more powerful than the grandiose thoughts of I'm going to be world famous and this is amazing and I'm on a beach and I'm singing and the hills are alive with the sound of music. How it's the real grounded, anchored, centered, mundane, normal, everyday thoughts that have the most power. Okay, I've got my pen, I've got my paper, and I am just right, and I've numbered it from one to 10. And I'm just writing down 10 things top of mind that I'm grateful for. I am grateful that I'm inside. I'm grateful that I'm inside right now. I'm grateful that I have a view of the outside and I'm grateful that I'm inside right now because it's cold. That's literally it. That is the first thing top of mind that came to mind when I thought about what am I thankful for? What am I grateful for? Let's see. The second thing that came to mind is that I have made a commitment to myself here recently to get back in the habit of working out. I'm grateful that I made a commitment to myself. I'm grateful that I've actually kind of let things go for a while so now I can rekindle my passion around fitness and movement. I'm I'm grateful that I remade that commitment to myself. Third thing that I'm grateful for, I'm really grateful that I have been taking care of myself and allowing myself to experience more joy. I'm grateful that I've been slowing down and that I've been mindful enough to appreciate the things that I'm feeling instead of constantly seeking for the next thing. The fourth thing that I'm grateful for is that I'm busy. It's, it's such a counter to what I just said on the Third one, but I'm grateful that I'm busy. I'm grateful that I have a lot of different irons in the fire because it keeps me entertained. Because even though it's nice to slow down, I like having constant change. I like the ever changingness of my environment. The fifth thing I'm grateful for is I'm really grateful that we have good tasting water in Colorado. I was recently in Florida, and I like the taste of water in Colorado a lot better, and I'm really grateful for that because it's something that I don't appreciate as often as I should because I don't think about it, and I'm really grateful for that. Sixth thing I'm grateful for, and that sounds so funny, but I'm really grateful for just like nautical themes and beachy themes. I'm just grateful for that whole like decor. Because I have a lot of that decor in my life, and I really, really like it. I, I like the nautical. I like the beachy, and I'm really, really grateful for that. it's It's a lot of fun. The other thing that I'm grateful for is I'm really grateful for some of the relationships that I have, even with people that I don't see very often. i'm I'm just grateful that I've got a wide variety of people that I can reach out to, and that even though, even though I don't see people as often as I would like to, I'm just grateful to know that people are there. I'm really grateful for that. I think that's really fun. Um, the eighth thing that I'm grateful for, I'm grateful that there's a lot of planetary shifts going on right now. I'm grateful that humanity is waking up, and whatever your beliefs around that are or are not, I I'm just grateful for the changes that I see, and. Even when things look really messy out there, I'm really grateful for that. I'm, I'm grateful for the mess. I'm grateful that things are being shaken up because when we shake things up, we create change and we rebuild. And I'm grateful for that connection, that as above, so below, the as within, so without, I feel like there's so much that's been shaken up and rebuilt in my life, and I know that ultimately it's good. So I'm really grateful for that in the collective whole too, that humanity is being shaken up and that we're being rebuilt. I'm really grateful for all of that too. The ninth thing that I'm grateful for, and and now it's starting to feel a little bit like a struggle. Just, just so you know, like I'm I'm thinking, oh wow, I've got two left. what are the two? I want to make sure. I want to make sure I get the right ones. And I just want to acknowledge that because that's not really what the gratitude list is about. The gratitude list is literally top of mind, just coming out. My ninth thing that comes out is I'm really grateful for reading. I have always loved to read. I've always enjoyed a wide variety of books. And sometimes I get so caught up in doing other things that I don't make the time or the space to read. And I just want to acknowledge that I'm grateful for reading. I'm grateful for books. Whether I'm reading a little or whether I'm reading a lot, I'm just grateful that reading like is an option that's available to me, (laughs) that it's something that's on this planet because I really I'm really grateful for that. I I enjoy that. And then the tenth thing that I'm grateful for is I'm just grateful for this journey, and for good or for bad, for right or for wrong, because it sucks sometimes, I'm really grateful for the journey. It's, it's, it's a ride, and even though there's parts of the ride that I don't love, there's parts that I do love, and there's parts that I love afterwards. And I'm just grateful because I know this journey will end. I know this life will end. And I'm just happy to be on this journey, even even when it's meh. I'm happy to be on this journey. So that's as simple as it is. It's literally top of mind. It's literally what are the things that come up that you're kind of grateful for? And they don't have to be good or bad, or right or wrong, or huge. I mean, literally, beach decor. I'm grateful for beach decor. (laughs) Let's just take a minute and laugh about that. It's just something that I like. What are the things that you like? Be grateful for them. I like cats. I like dogs. Be grateful for it. It's silly, and that's the point. I have rose-scented deodorant, and I like it. What are the things that you like? Take the time and notice those things, especially when you notice that you're having obsessive thoughts and just notice them. And if you're anything like me, right now, I just feel better. I went through that list of 10 things and I just feel a little more relaxed, a little more expansive a little bit better in my body. And like the obsessive thoughts don't matter as much. I Whatever. I mean, sure, I have work to do. Sure, I have things to process. But it's not controlling me. It's not distracting me. It's just something that's there because now I'm a little bit more focused on these 10 things that I like. That I'm grateful for. So it just puts me in a better frame of mind. (sighs) How do you feel? I hope, like me, you feel a little more connected, that your body feels a little bit more in line with your brain, and that you're not feeling hijacked or out of control, that your nervous system isn't flooded. That you're not in a state of anger, fight, flight. Oh my god, I can't deal with it. I can't deal with it. Or you know, freeze, shut down, shut down. Can't get out of bed. Red alert! Red alert! That's all it takes. It's simpler, and it's harder (laughs) than you might realize. The obsessive thought is there to teach you something. It's a loop that hasn't been closed. Identify. What feeling you're experiencing now and why is it similar to the obsessive thought? Figure out what you can do to create an answer. Notice if it's habitual and break that habit by asking, what is it here for? What is it here to teach me? Manage that flooding, manage that trigger by just moving into a list of 10 things that you're grateful for right now, and allow yourself to feel better. Now, I want to close with a really powerful exercise that kind of incorporates everything that we've talked about today. And what that exercise is, is it's creating your own story. Because like I said, these are loops. The affair opens up all of these loops in the brain that the brain and the body will seek to close. How do you close those loops? By creating the story around it, by creating resolution. We talked a lot about resolution. The body needs resolution. Now, I know what you're going to say. I can't get resolution. My partner's not willing to talk to me. My partner's a jerk. How can I figure this out until I know the answers? What I want to say is, while on the one hand, yes, you're right. It can be so beneficial to have a partner who owns their behavior, who shows up powerfully, who digs deep and answers all of these questions for you. While that can be easy, that is not something that you need. You can write the ending yourself. You can close the loops with the information that you have, and you can put this to bed. What I want you to do is I want you to think about Your journey is a story. Two of the things that I said that I was grateful for in my gratitude list, one was reading and one was for this journey. Because I do know at some point this journey will be over. We will all die. This journey will be over. So truly our life is a story. I want you to see, to imagine, to visualize, pretend your life is a story. And what I want you to do is write that last chapter. You can write it in your brain. You can write it in your imagination. You can write it out by hand. You can type it out. But I want you to write the last chapter and i want you to write the last chapter not only in terms of where are you and who's with you and what you're doing but i also want you to write it in terms of how you feel do you feel peaceful do you feel happy do you feel satisfied do you feel bitter <laughs> do you feel cynical The number one regret of the dying is I wish I would have had the courage to live the kind of life I wanted instead of the kind of life that was expected. I want you to have the courage right now to write that last chapter and to put in everything that you want
0: in life. You know the first few chapters.
1: You know the climax of the story, the D-Day, the big turning point, this betrayal. This is your cliffhanger moment. This is where all the loops are open in your brain, and now you need to start resolving them. Instead of taking the next step and the next step and the next step, fast forward and write the ending first. Because when you write the ending first, then you know what you need to do to get there. It's reverse engineering your life. It's not just saying, oh, I will get through this and I wonder and maybe I'll find love and maybe I won't and maybe we'll get back together and maybe I'll heal and maybe I won't and maybe I'll have obsessive thoughts and I don't know if this is going to keep happening. This is you being the creator of your own life. This is you in the driver's seat writing that last chapter of where you want to be, how you want to feel, and what it looks like. This is you building the bridge from the other side back. Because once you construct that bridge from the other side back, you know your target, you know where you're aiming. And you'll be able to say, whoops, I started building a bridge going in the wrong direction. Whoops, I'm turning a little bit too far to the left or too far to the right. I need to course correct. Unless you know where your target is, how do you know where you're aiming? Obsessive thoughts are here to teach you. They're loops. They're open loops in the brain. How you close them is by writing that last chapter. When you write the last chapter, you know what it is you need to resolve. For most of us, we need to get back in touch with our power. We need to get back in touch with our identity. We need to own our self-worth. All of the women that I coach all of the women that I work with to varying degrees have all needed to get back in touch, to reconnect with who they are and what they are worth and with their own power. And when they work with me, when we do this coaching and when we start this very exercise, starting from the end, figuring out how they want to be, then it's more of a game. It's a strategy game of how to get there. Oh, I was giving my power away. Oh, I believed other people around my worth. I've been seeking to prove my worth. I haven't been owning it. I've been seeking to please. I've been so focused on conforming to other people's standards and beliefs. Oh my gosh, I have totally lost touch with myself. I didn't, I confused who I am with what I do. And then over time, as they reclaim their identity, as they step back into their power and own their worth, then they've got the agency to create the kind of life that they want. They say, oh, here's a loop. I need to resolve this. Oh, here's something I need to resolve this. I know now what it takes to feel better. Here's the thought that I choose to think. And then slowly... It starts building and the momentum starts growing. And then suddenly they have the kind of life that they want. There are no more open loops in their brain. There are no obsessive thoughts. They are no longer hijacked by all of this stuff because they have chosen and they have done the work and they have closed the loops. So I would like to invite you to have a conversation with me, just a quick, free 30-minute conversation around this vision that you've got for yourself and around some of these loops that are open. In that 30-minute conversation, it is completely no obligation, but what we will do is we will talk about your vision. We will talk about some of these loops and we'll tackle one of those loops, closing one of those loops So what I'd like you to do is reach out to me, laura, L-O-R-A, at lauracheedle.com. That's laura, L-O-R-A, at lauracheedle, L-O-R-A, C-H-E-A, D-L-E.com. Send me an email that says, I want to talk. I will send you a link to my calendar. We will set up a 30-minute conversation, and I will help you write this last chapter. Figure out what loops need closing, and then we will take the first step in figuring out how to close that loop so you can start the ball rolling, so you can start the momentum going, and so you can stop having obsessive thoughts, so you can have that control and that agency over yourself in your life. I am so excited to have a conversation with you. I know literally in 30 minutes, you are going to change so much, and you are going to be able to break out of this pattern of obsessive thoughts. Have an amazing week. I can't wait to talk to you next week. Next week, we're going to talk about fawning, which is, again, a trauma response when we fawn and try to make everything all better. So that is what you have to look forward to next week. Right now, stay in gratitude. Send me an email before you forget. Laura at lauracheedle.com. I want to talk and let's talk. Have an amazing week. And as usual, always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is always more than enough.